father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode 204 with Coach Rhonda Farney. She's the head girls basketball coach at Georgetown High School in Georgetown, Texas. Coach Farney has the most career victories of any active girls coach in the nation with a record of 1,183 victories and 337 losses. Her victory total is six on the all-time career list as compiled by the National Federation of State High School Associations. She has been a high school head coach for 44 seasons. In 32 years at Georgetown High School, her teams have posted 31 consecutive 20-win seasons and 30 straight bursts in the UIL State Playoffs, including seven appearances in the state tournament, highlighted by a Class 4A state title during the 2012-2013 season that was climaxed by a come-from-behind 65-60 victory over Dallas Lincoln in the finals to finish with a 34-4 record. She has had more than 75 players compete on the collegiate level, including four of the five starters on this past season's team. The Howard Payne Summer graduate still has a, as a teenager also has served as the head coach at Goldweight and Ozona. She was the only girls basketball coach on the Goldweight staff and coached the 7th, 8th junior varsity and varsity. Farney also coached track at both schools. Farney has earned numerous coaching honors, including being named the Women's Basketball Coaches Association Pat Summit National High School Coach of the Year in 2017 and National Federation of High School's 2013 National Coach of the Year. Induction into the Texas Basketball Hall of Fame and the Texas High School Coaches Association Hall of Fame and served as a head coach for the 2003 Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Nike All-American Game in Hartford, Connecticut, in addition to being active in USA basketball on both the coaching and committee levels. Also on the national scene, Farney has chaired the USA Basketball Cadet and Youth Committee, helping select players and coaches for the Summer Youth Development Festival. 
In summer 2001, she was one of the two high school coaches named by the USA Basketball Women's Collegiate Committee to serve as a floor coach for the USA Basketball Women's Junior National Team Trials in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She was assistant coach for the 2005 USA Basketball Women's Youth Development Festival, where her team won the gold medal. <clears throat> Farney was named head coach for the April 2003 WBCA Nike All-American Game in Hartford, Connecticut. Previously, in April 1996, she traveled to Philadelphia as an assistant coach for the WBCA Nike All-American Game. Farney served four years on the WBCA and NFCA Board of Directors and completed a term on the NFCA Basketball Rules Committee. Coach Farney also holds the position of Girls Athletics Coordinator at Georgetown. She is married to Bill, Dr. Bill Farney, retired executive director of the University Interscholastic League, the ruling body of extracurricular activities in Texas. Let's welcome Coach Rhonda Farney. Always trying to work the technology here. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to the uh, Championship Vision podcast today. Uh, uh, and Zoomcast. So we're very fortunate to have Coach Rhonda Farney here. Uh, just an all-time, all-time great coach from Georgetown High School in Georgetown, Texas. So I always enjoy interviewing coaches from Texas. What a great state. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you very much. Hey, Coach, let's share a little bit about um, kind of your background of how you got started. I know you've been coaching quite a few years and kind of tell us uh, how you kind of grew, had that passion for the game as a young coach. Cause not everybody comes in the coaching like, Hey, I want to coach. Tell us about your journey as a coach. So I think to kind of describe that, I probably need to talk just a minute about basketball in Texas. So we have six classifications in Texas. Uh, I coach at the 5A level, which is the next to the largest. We have about 1900, uh, students at our high school. Uh, I attended a very small rural high school. Um, 33 kids in my graduating class. I did everything. You know, we played good basketball. We ran track. We was a cheerleader, did it all. Um, went to a local Baptist university, Howard Payne, uh, in Brownwood, Texas, in the central part of the state. And just, um, really didn't know that I wanted to coach when I went off to college. I was very young, I was 16 years old, but I knew that I wanted to teach and always wanted to teach. And I got, um, came in contact with some really great coaches. Uh, coach Don Hood, who's been the Olympic track coach, uh, came in contact with him. Uh, coach Derryberry, very um, good basketball coach, men's basketball coach in the state of Texas. And just, um, they really, I think, helped me develop my passion for, for coaching. And I've always been driven uh, in everything that I've done. So that, that's kind of how I got started. And you have to understand, too, that that would have been the 70s. And I, I came in right as we had Title IX. And, you know, there were not very many coaches, uh, women coaches uh, in the state of Texas. Most of the people I coached against were men. And um, my first coaching job, though, was at Goldthwaite, Texas, and that is the home of Jody Conrad. Okay, sure. Uh, right off the bat, um, again, you know, got to rub elbows with the best of the best. 
So that's kind of, you know, how I initially got started. And gosh, Kevin, it seems like yesterday, that was 46 <laughs> years ago. That's right. Yeah, time sure passes by, particularly when you we love what you do, right? Time goes, time goes by pretty quick. So you came in in the 70s, and that's really that's where Pat Summit, uh, a lot of great coaches. I guess she's the kind of one mentor that I think all, not only female, but male coaches, we all look up to. I know I have all her, her videotapes. What, what did you learn from Pat Summit? You know, I think just uh, her relentless work ethic. You know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, initially, you know, back in the day in the 70s, I think you could just outwork people. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, had great fundamentals. They had a great work ethic. And, you know, that kind of separated them. Uh, don't think that's so much the case anymore. I mean, I, I still think mm. it's important to work hard. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of very good coaches that um, are, are technically um, excellent coaches. So, you know, it takes a little bit more now, I think, than um, maybe it did then. But again, I would just say that uh, in coming, coming in contact with um, the true trailblazers, like a Jody Conrad or a, a Pat Head Summit, um, you know, just their passion for the game, their never, ever um, just being satisfied, you know, with anything except the best, having very high expectations. I, I think that's what, you know, what uh, I garnered from them. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about, I was very fortunate. I, I, I have interviewed, I think, like six or seven coaches from Texas. And I, I love all you guys. Um, and I, it seems like Texas, there's a true love of women's basketball. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I have interviewed uh, Joe Lombard, who just recently retired, and uh, a bunch of small high school coaches in Texas. And they're all great minds. Talk about Kathy Self Morgan, Chuck Darden, Mark Myers. What an unbelievable, what an unbelievable uh, coaching legacy you guys have out there in Texas. Talk about that. Uh, it really is. I, I'll have to talk about Kathy first. Uh, Kathy and I are contemporaries. We came up. She coached at Westlake High School um, when I first came here to Georgetown. So we were both kind of getting our program started at the same time. Uh, we played each other. Uh, Every year, um, we, uh, I, I will never forget, we, we played each other in, um, in state tournament and we came back the next year, both of us had graduated, quite a few kids. Um, she was playing in our big Jack Frost tournament and uh, she watched us play and I'll never forget, this is just, this sums up Kathy, but you know, she uh, watched our team play and I was walking out and we, neither one of us were very good and she said, man, I just thought my team was bad until I saw yours. You know, but uh, you right. just know how she is and, uh, you know, the, the type of person that she is. But uh, she, you know, the way I look at people like Coach Lombard, um, Kathy Self, Morgan, you know, they made me a much better coach. Um, coach Darden is, he is, he's way up in the panhandle in our state. I know him. I have never played one of his teams, but um he's kind of like I am he has a lot of former coaches that are coaching and I've coached against a lot of his former players that are now coaches and uh you know you'll never find anybody that is um, a better um 
just masterminded the game. And, you know, the other thing that I think that is really great about him is he really believes in fundamentals. And, you know, we, we share that passion. But I would have to say, uh, Mark Myers is still a contemporary. He, uh, he coached at Cedar Park. I could tell you a million stories about uh, Coach Myers, but <laughs> is one of the best offensive minds, you know, of anybody anywhere around. Coaches just down the road uh, from where I am now at Glen Passes, but just a truly a great coach. But, you know, the greatest of the great, I think, is Coach Lombard. And he's not only a great coach, but a great gentleman and uh, have had an opportunity to play him at a lot of different levels, uh, played him uh, in the state tournament. Uh, in fact, we uh, back, we had won the state championship, came back the next year, played him in the, uh, in the semifinals, and, uh, and he beat us. But, you know, just, again, great man. And uh, we are going to miss him um, because he has meant so much to, um, to, to Texas basketball. Yes, and the one thing I, I have noticed about him, he's willing to give back. I, I literally can probably call him now, and he would probably answer my call. Not all the coaches are like that. Um, you think that's important uh, from all the great wisdom that you have gathered over the years that people, co coaches contact you. You're, it's a willingness to share the game, correct? It absolutely is. I'm going to tell you a, a, just a funny story. All right. I shared this not too long ago on a, we're celebrating a hundred years of basketball in Texas. And uh, I shared this story, but in 1975, I was graduating from Howard Payne in Brownwood, Texas. We have a huge girls coaches association in this state. And we've had some great coaches that uh, have headed that up. It just so happened that the summer clinic was in Brownwood, Texas at the Coliseum. And I was so excited. I dashed over as soon as I got out of class and, you know, I put my hands up on the window and I'm trying to like see what's going on inside. I'm so excited because I'm, I'm fixing to have my first coaching job at Gulf Lakes, Texas. And lo and behold, the door opens and Jan LaHudney and Jan LaHudney is another Texas great, a product, um, one, you know, a, just about a state championship every year back in the seventies and eighties. Sure. But, opens the door and she's like, can I help you? And I'm like startled and I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a coach. I'm just a high school coach. I'm just, you know, excited about what's going on, wanting to see what was happening. And, uh, she was like, man, she whisked me in the door. She introduced me to coach Andrews, Lita Andrews, um, to coach Lombard to, um, actually it's kind of funny to my husband who was coaching at the time and he just won a state championship. Um, Bill Farney, um, of course, he wasn't my husband at the time, but, you know, <laughs> she introduced me to all the greats. And I remember she right. took me around, uh, Sandra Meadows, another great coach, and introduced me and kept saying, you know, this is, at the time I was Coach Yarbrough, this is Coach Yarbrough, she is, uh, you know, just starting out as a high school coach. And I, I can't tell you, Kevin, what an impact that made on me. You know, just, uh, I, I mean, I felt... 10 feet tall when I left. And I felt like I had just joined the best, you know, fraternity in the world, you know, where people cared and where people shared. And so I remember thinking that day, if I ever know anything that somebody wants to know, you know, I want to treat people like I was treated today. You know, I want people to realize what a great profession we're in. So I guess I've just always felt that way. You know, I don't know that I know very much, but 
I can certainly tell you that anything that I have, I'd be more than happy to share. I'm sure you do. We're going to try to pick your brain a little bit tonight. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, Jan uh, and Lahandi. Is that correct? Lahadney. Lahadney. I have her book, Competitive Practice Drills. That's like my Bible. I'm still. That's one of the best basketball books ever. What do you think about that? What she wrote. I mean, talk about a great, what a great book that you can utilize still now. Yes, I remember telling her though. She she's a really good friend. I remember telling her at the time that she wrote it. It is. I mean, it, it's like a Bible. But you know, she did some really crazy things. She made her kids. You know, they had to earn the pieces of their uniform. Do you remember right. that of it? I mean, you know, I mean, it was a little bit old school. And I remember telling her, you know, Jan, you need to make sure that you explain to all these young coaches who want to be just like you that they're probably not going to be able to do, um, you know, require their kids to earn their uniform quite like you're making them. You've had some success and, you know, you can do some of those really crazy things. But, uh, you know, you, you probably need to, uh, to write a forward to that book and make sure that they all understand <laughs> get fired right off the bat. But uh, it, is a, it is a great book. And, you know, it has is, it is really stood the, the test of time because the things that she advocated, um, the way she played all out, you know, it, uh, it still is, is great today. Yeah, I think one thing I, I definitely meant that she mentioned in the book was with girls, is that competitiveness, right? That she, you're trying to get out of them. And I, you know, and that confidence, right? The two C's, I know with my players, a lot of times they, they lack that edge, that confidence sometimes. And there's sometimes they're, they're very confident. It's kind of inconsistent. What do you do to kind of give your players that edge, that confidence, that competitiveness? Well, you know, I, I think everything we do is competitive. You know, we we make every drill that we do. It's probably not too different than than most coaches, but you know, we make things uh, very competitive. I have a very long memory, and uh, you know, I I don't ever let kids forget. You know, we put them in every type of competitive situation. You know that we can. We never do a drill. You know, we never have a shooting drill that. You know, I don't expect them to count. You know, their attempts and their makes, you know, I want them to be able to give that back to me the second that um, the drill is over. You know, it, it's just always, I think, um, making everything competitive because I don't, I don't think that girls always are just naturally aggressive like that, you know, and I've had a lot of really nice girls here that I think we have taken and made into very competitive, um, good basketball players. So I, I think that that's something that uh, it's all about consistency. It's about being that way in everything that you do all the time. And if that's one of those things that's important to you and it is to us, then, um, you know, it's reflected every day in everything that you do and say. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I love what you mentioned about your chemistry, culture, and character mentality. I love that. And I'm not going to copy this, but the EFND, I'm not going to copy the Eagle Fight never dies, but I really like that. Um, so I'll give you credit for it, Rhonda, if we do that. Um, but talk about your culture, because we all talk about it, but how many of us actually really work on that every day? So we really do, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna try to make this short because it's, it's a little bit long, but you know, um, this has been an unprecedented, you know, very difficult spring and summer for all of us. Sure. So, you know, when we, uh, when we were separated from our kids, we left, you know, on 
March the 13th, Friday the 13th, thinking that we were going to have a week of spring break and that we would be back. Um, and we were in our off season in basketball and we, we never started back to school. So, um, you know, one of the things that we really went back as a coaching staff and talked about was um, just our EFND culture and what we could do, you know, at a time when we could not see our kids physically uh, in person every day, but what we could do to enhance that. Um, it kind of started out with me wanting the kids to really know where that phrase was coined. And uh, we had a superintendent that was here for 17 years, he actually hired me on his way out. Um, but he had actually coined that phrase back in 69 when our football team had come from behind to, uh, to win a ball game they probably shouldn't have won. And um, so Eagle Fight Never Dies, if and it's way more than a hashtag or a saying to us. It is, it is our culture. It is our DNA. It's, you know, it is who we are. And so we just thought maybe it was, would be a good time to reinforce that. So it started out with me getting a hold of five of our former players and asking them to talk about what EFND means meant to them, you know, to talk about um, just lessons that they'd learned in um, Lady Eagle basketball and how they had applied that in life and how they were applying it now in these COVID times. And that grew into us getting a hold of 20 of our former players, managers, former coaches, it turned into a huge thing and we used it all spring and all summer and you know it just reinforced so what we asked our former players and coaches and managers to do was to make us a youtube video and to answer those questions um a lot of them you know wore their letter jacket their high school letter jacket you know some of them uh wore t-shirts and whatnot that they had worn in high school it was a great thing and they were able to you know um articulate better than I ever could what what if indeed means. And, you know, there were things like, you know, integrity, uh, perseverance, mental toughness, all those things that we say all the time. But I have to think that somebody that's been through this program, you know, that now is the CEO of, you know, their own company or someone who's a medical doctor now or a veterinarian, all of these that, you know, are different things in life they're being able to say, you know, how those things um, really played a huge part in their lives. Um, and, and so I think that's what I mean when I talk about culture. You know, I think that um, it's kind of all wrapped up. There are a lot of things that go into that, but that EFND is our DNA is really something that we live by and stand by. So culture is, is not necessarily what's going on within that season. It's more it's almost a projection in the future when your kids come back to you, are they still applying those principles? Is that right? Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's very important. I, I don't think that we can ever be very successful if we don't know where we've come from and if we don't know where we're going. And, you know, I think to be able to lay that down for the kids to see, you know, what has happened before them and, um, you know, and then weave that in with what our expectations are today. Because certainly I, I've done this for so long, Kevin, right. you know, People are always asking me if kids changed. Um, I don't know that kids have changed, but I've changed, you know, sure. over the years. You know, there are some things that are non-negotiable. Um, the work ethic that we have to have, the integrity, uh, the mental toughness. But, you know, there are a lot of ways to get at those things. And I, I think that's what maybe, um, you know, when you talk about longevity and being able to stay in this, you know, I think we have to temper um, 
those things. And we, we do have to learn to, um, you know, what motivates kids now, because it is different than what motivated kids 40 years ago. Right. And that's, what's amazing about what you've done. You've coached in many different generations. Um, just like a coach K and all uh, coach Lombard, you have to have the adaptability and adjust Talk a little bit about that. You've already kind of mentioned that, but talk about how you've done it. Now, this is my 30th year, so I'm not a young spring chicken. So, <laughs> but I guess adaptability is key, right? Because because you got to learn how to, you your, your age goes up, the kids' ages stay the same. Well, I, I always like to say, you know, I think that uh, as a coach, I'm kind of frozen in time. I might look different, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's easy to stay young and be, high energy when you're around kids every day, or at least it is, it is for me. But, um, you know, I do think, I, I still think basically kids want to be disciplined. You know, they want to have, for you to have high expectations for them, uh, or at least in our community, in our school, they do. Um, we are a suburban community. We're about 35 uh, miles from Austin, Texas. Um, we, we are, we operate sort of like a small, a small, Town, even though we're a very large city, but you know we still—it's um, important. We have great um, support from the community, so it's it's easy to motivate kids because our kids love to play in front of people. You know, they like to play in front of people that care about girls' basketball. We've got a great boys' basketball program here, but I will tell you that our community loves our girls' basketball. And our kids grow up wanting to be a part of that. And uh, I don't think that has changed. Although, you know, we're not the only program at our school that's successful. We have a very successful um, girls program from top to bottom. Great soccer, great softball, great volleyball. So not every kid wants to necessarily be just um, a Lady Eagle basketball player. But, you know, I, I do think that the other thing that's great about this community is our parents um, they're great parents. They want their kids to be good and they don't mind us coaching them. They don't mind us coaching them hard. They don't mind us having high expectations for them. And so I would think that that is probably one thing that has been nice. I've been here long enough that, you know, I'm pretty sure that if people don't want their kids to work hard and, uh, you know, then they steer them some way other than, you know, to our basketball programs. So, uh, again, though, I, you know, I, I think that it is a cop out sometimes to say that kids have changed and, you know, they're not as uh, passionate about playing basketball because I find them to be every bit as, as passionate as any kid I've ever coached. It's just that, you know, sometimes you motivate them a little bit differently. Right. And I love what you're doing. And I, saw, I read something about what you do with your seniors in your community of Sun City. Um, now I'm not familiar with that, but I, I love the story of how you bring the seniors to the games and so forth to really get the community involved. I, I'm really actually looking to get my team more into the community. I think we don't do that enough as coaches. So share with us how you do that. So we, we have for a long time been um, about service and we do, uh, we do so many service projects across the the community because I, I truly believe in giving back and I think our kids are very fortunate uh, to have the type of support that they have and I think it's important for them to be grateful and to uh, have a grateful heart and I help it I think it helps them to play with the right kind of um, 
the right kind of heart if, it, if it's a grateful heart. So, you know, that is one thing. But we are very fortunate in 1995, Sun City, uh, it's a, a Dell Webb community, uh, retirement community came into our community and um, we are able to tap in. They have a booster club, uh, a, a basketball booster club. We have nice. from 65 to 100 or 125 um, senior citizens that will come to all of our games. We have many that travel with us. We have for uh, the last 25 years traveled at Christmas. Uh, this will be the first time in about 25 years that we haven't. Right, but, right. Uh, many of those make the trip with us. You know, um, they are sort of like grandparents to our kids. And the thing that I always say that makes them so special, they love our kids unconditionally. You know, we might not have played the very best ball game, but they love our kids. Um, we've got a lot of people in our community that are high level basketball watchers. You know, they, uh, they're very demanding of our kids. They want us to play at the highest level. I, I wouldn't always say that they are, um, that they unconditionally uh, love our kids for every ball game, but right. Sun City folks do. So it, it's a good, Kevin, it's a good blend. You know, I don't think that uh, when, you, when you hold kids to high standards, um, you know, then there, there has to be a little wiggle room there. And our Sun City fans provide that for our kids. They always have a hug for them. Uh, it's a ritual when our kids come out of the dressing room, they walk across the gym in front of, you know, all of our fans and all of our uh, visitors, our opponent, they go up in the stands and they get hugs. And that that's just the way it's been, you know, for probably 20 years. And it's, it's a really good thing. And then it's awesome too for our community because, um, you know, they're in our schools all the time and they're going to be voting on bond issues and all kinds of things that affect us and affect education. And, uh, you know, they, they are, they feel like they're a part, I think, of what we're doing. So it's a win-win situation for our Sun City fans, as well as our, our players. I, I love the idea. Matter of fact, we're on a lake out here in Georgia and we have a Dell Webb community right, right outside. There so you go. I might steal that from you, Rhonda. Another thing I I'm going to steal from you. Um, I tell you what I love about that. I love, I love older people. I don't know why, just how I grew up. And I think you can't fool them. So they say they, you have branded your program, I'm assuming, where they don't see the wins and the losses. They see other things. Are they playing with class? Are they playing hard for each other? Right? That's what, the, that's what they see, correct? So you, they you, do. Have, you have branded your program the right way. Well, I, I do think that, and, and I think that goes into that unconditional love that they have for the kids. And uh, I think it's so very, very important. You know, they're at a time in their lives where, it, this is the way I look at it, they're not always where they can be with their own grandkids. And our, our, our kids are not always where they can be with their grandparents. So this serves a wonderful function. And, you know, I'm one that thinks that um, the young can learn from the old and vice versa. Sure. And, um, so there's a lot of respect there and uh, it's been very powerful. I will tell you that when I do my exit uh, interviews with our, our seniors every year, you know, they always, you know, say that the most, you know, that one of the things that, that they enjoyed the most about their experience was their, you know, they're getting to know the Sun City fans and, you know, just loving to look across the gym at that sea of blue and to, uh, to know that they had their support. So 
So it's very powerful. Yeah, giving back, right? It's really probably the best gift you, you can give. Hey, let's talk about your program. Talk about your team coming back. I know, I don't know what it is in Texas. Right now, we're allowed to work out here, Ron. As a matter of fact, I just had a workout with my, my team. Um, but we're unsure about the schedule. Everybody's scheduling. Tell us about what's going on in Texas and tell us about your program. Or your so team we're, coming we're kind of the same way you know we have a uh, university interscholastic league and that is like our activity association that's who governs us and um they we have been able to have uh contact with our kids since june the 8th we we have something called strength and conditioning and uh, we can do an hour of skill work a day and we can also you know do do strength and conditioning with our kids every day so normally that would start up around the first part of june and we would be finished by mid to like july well with things the way it's been that has just continued on into we're actually um thursday will be the first time that we have been in person with all of our kids and that's pretty much the way it's been for most of the schools in texas right. we've been going to school for about three weeks but it's been um, the learning part has been um remote. We have been fortunate, our band and our athletics has been able to meet in person. So, you know, we are working with our kids. We're the same way. Uh, the UIL has told us that we cannot do any overnight trips. We can't play any tournaments. Um, hmm. We have 21 games and they gave us an additional six games. So we have a 27 game schedule now. Now, whether or not we get to play those, you know, I guess that's going to depend on, um, you know what what actually transpires when kids come in person on on thursday but there are some smaller schools that have been doing this in texas and they've had a lot of success and you know they've not um not had a lot of of uh, covid positives so we're all very optimistic that we're going to be able to play in fact we just got through doing a big big deal with uh t-shirts that say we will play again and uh, <laughs> You know, everybody in our in our school has a "We Will Play Again" T-shirt. Again, I might steal that one too from you, Rhonda. So right now, I'm three for three. Okay, um, all right. I think it's important to be positive now during this time. Everybody's so. I mean, of course, you know, we're all doing the temperature check. We're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing. But I think this is kind of out of our control because. You never know where you can come in contact with this crazy virus and so forth. You got to keep living, right? You do. And, you know, we preach to our kids every day, you know, just uh, be mindful, you know, of what's out there, make good decisions, you know, stay away from those things that are high risk. And, and we're, we're not just asking our, our players to do that. You know, we talk to our parents, we talk to our players, you know, our coaching staff, we're, we're all, you know, trying to do everything that we can to make sure that we are safe. But like you said, we can only do so much, you know, anything could happen, but I, I can sleep good at night because I feel like we have good protocols in place. Uh, I work for the best school district in, in this. We've got, we have a great high school and great administration and they are behind us. They want our kids to play. They want us to come back to school. Um, so, um, so I'm very optimistic and I, I'm just an optimistic person anyway. And, um, you know, I think we take care of the things that we can take care of, man, we are practicing, you know, full speed ahead, um, sure. you know, thinking that we're going to play and, 
you know, I guess if something happens and we don't, then we'll, we'll cross that bridge, you know, when we get there, but I, I'm not going to borrow, you know, uh, and worry about things I don't have any control over. And, uh, you know, I, I think that our optimistic or optimism with our players uh, is contagious as well. We're a little concerned. We've never just gone straight through, you know, and not really had a break. We, we normally take most of September off because our kids are like yours and everyone else's. They've normally played a zillion ball games, you know, in the, in the out of school ball in the, uh, the spring and the summer, but we didn't get to do very much of that. So we're, we're going to play a fall league for the first time in, oh gosh, I bet we haven't played a fall league in 25 years because like I said, I normally am trying to kind of write them in, get them back into the, you know, thinking about school basketball, but we're just doing things. We're having to think differently than the way we thought in the past. And one of the things right now, I never have ever thought very much about the fun aspect of basketball, but you know, I, I think that we're pushing our kids awfully hard. We really haven't had much time off and you know, we, uh, we are trying to build in some things, um, because a lot of the things that we've done that are fun, like travel and um, the tournaments we played in, we're not going to get to do those things. And so, you know, I think it's really important that we be thinking about how we're going to keep them motivated and how we're going to, you know, we're all going to have fun. So, um, so that's a little different. Yes, it, it's a lot different now, but I think we just have to adjust. Um, you mentioned about a fall league. We're actually playing a fall league with my team for the first time because most of my kids, I, I'm fortunate now I got a lot of basketball players that don't play fall sports, or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. But, um, you know, we're playing a fall league as well, and they're, they're fired up. They want to play again. They and do. We can't forget that. You know, we can drill them all we want, but our kids haven't played. They didn't play in the summer, just like yours. We're the same way. We played a little bit towards the end of the summer. Um, our kids played a couple of local tournaments. Okay. Okay, really that's great. played very much. And – you know, so we felt the same way. We're like, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to play this fall league. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is, um, you know, we're, we're setting, we're telling them it's kind of like a dress rehearsal. And we're setting some goals or setting a goal for each one of those games, you know, for some of the things that we'd like to see. They're all, um, they're going to be effort type goals. You know, there's not going to be anything that's going to be um, really performance based. But, you know, we're, we're talking to them about we you know, we really want to be able to score in transition, and that's going to be one of our things for our first uh, our first fall league game. But just the thought of being able to play again, you know, puts a smile on my face, and it does does theirs as well. That's right. And I, I tell you, I I don't coach the fall league team, but I've it's so much more relaxing when I'm watching from the sideline, Rhonda. I mean, <laughs> there's no pressure. It's like, hey, you know, yeah. but you know, uh, it'll it'll come a little bit later with with the um, with the pressure, but. Hey, talk about give us give us a clinic on how you build your offensive and defensive system. Talk about each year. What do you do? Do you take your personnel and then adjust, or do you have like a system? You kind of help us out a little bit. See what you guys do. So we are again. We're a suburban high school. Um, you know, we uh, we have attendance lines, so kids have to live in our attendance um, zone. So you know, I say that to say that. We, um, you know, we, we might get a move in every now and then, but we're, we're not going to have a lot of kids that are going to move in to play basketball. So, you know, we have to develop the talent that we have. We have great middle school coaches and do start um, a system in middle school. 
Uh, it's very, very um, basic. You know, we really want them playing man defense. We want them to really understand um, movement and how to move efficiently. Um, we, we want them to start with the very fundamental basics of shooting and passing and dribbling. And um, the one thing I think that you can always do is play great defense. You know, I think defense is mainly just effort. So uh, we, we really hang our hat on defense. So what we do every year is we look at our personnel and we also look at who it is that we think we have to beat in order to get where we want to go. And so, you know, we're, we're going to always, we have a philosophy about the way we do things, but we, we tailor that every year to our personnel. And um, I'm a firm believer that um, we are not ever going to have, or we're occasionally going to have a, a really good division one player, but we are not going to have, you know, tons of division one players every year, but we can still be competitive. And we have over the years beaten um, teams that have many division one players, but we have to be strong because of strength in numbers. You know, if we've got 10 players on the varsity, I, I'm a firm believer. Our big three, you know, whoever they might be, they're going to cancel out somebody else's big three. It's always going to be four, five, six, seven, and sometimes eight that are going to make a difference. Right. So, you know, that's the way we look at it. When we build and program together uh, and we look at things, we're looking at, you know, how we can make our unit successful, um, how we can uh, play eight kids, nine kids, um, and things not drop off. You know, that, that's the way we have to win here. We have to play it very close to the, to the land. We can't make a lot of mistakes, you know. So we have to seamlessly be able to play those kids. And then again, you know, everybody has to know their role. And not everybody's role is going to be the glamorous role that they want it to be. But the one thing I promise our kids is that um, roles are not uh, set in stone. So, you know, if you, uh, you work hard enough at it and you need to become that player that's in the playing rotation or, you know, that is a score for us or whatever that might be, then we're going to give you that opportunity to, to be that way. We're not going to write those, those roles in, uh, in stone. So I don't know. I probably rambled on Kevin. I don't no, know no. your question, but, um, but we, we do, we look every year at the talent that we have. And um, again, we're not going to stray too far outside, you know, philosophically what we, how we want to play the game, but we're going to tailor that uh, so that hopefully we can be the, very best that we can be and we want to be as deep as we can be and uh, we want everybody to be able to contribute yeah i love that i think and, and you even see that now ronda and you know, just kind of watching the playoffs i see more nba teams going deep into their bench now if you look at i was just recently watching the milwaukee bucks play they're without giannis and they're playing better <laughs> you know without their main star and it's like why don't more teams play a deeper bench. Um, why is that so important? I see a lot of teams playing five, six players at the high school level. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Well, I did it that way early in my career. I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> I, I did. And, you know, I, I probably contributed to a lot of kids being broken down. Um, but, but the older I've gotten, the more that I think it is important on a lot of different levels, you know, to, um, to be able to play more kids. But I, I pride us in the fact that, you know, 
we might not have had a Division One player last year, but we had three players who are going to play at the highest NAI level that you can play, and one that's going to play at Division Three at a very high level. And you know, to me, um, that's what that's what I'm all about. Now, again, you know, we we've had our um, we've had our All Americans here, but those come those don't come around all the time. And to me, I've always wanted to be good every year. I, I'm one that. Like I told you, I'm optimistic. I think every year is going to be better than the last year. So in order to be like that, then you have to develop talent. You have to be a developer of talent. And I like to think that we do uh, we do an okay job of that. Yes, Coach, talk really quick about um, something that makes you guys unique on the offensive end. Are you a ball control? Or are you up-tempo? Give us something that maybe a coach can kind of say, hey, I like that scheme that Coach Varney's using. Well, you know, I, I think that you, um, it, it's going to be pretty basic, but I think that you, um, you have to do the things that you can do. And that's going to always start with, you have to make, you have to make free throws. You have to be, uh, I think, a good free throw shooting team. If you're not, then you're just starting behind the, the eight ball, you know? So for us, you know, that all plays in with that, um, not having a lot of, we're not always the most talented, so we don't have a lot of wiggle room. So we've got to do the things that we can do. So that's always going to start with being, you know, very fundamental at the free throw uh, line. It is going to start with, uh, I would say that most of the time we're going to play inside out in our approach. Our, our, uh, our post players are going to touch the, the basketball. We, you know, we, we're, some years we have big kids, some years we don't. I mean, some years we have strong kids inside, some years, you know, they're more finesse. But again, I think that kind of comes down into um, knowing your personnel again and figuring those things out. But I want us to push the basketball. Uh, I want us to get as many uh, easy opportunities as we can. So I, I would say that we play the percentages. You know, we, we want high percentage shots. Um, we, we let all of our kids shoot the ball. Um, you know, we, we don't have just certain kids. Uh, the good kids are always going to take more shots. You know, that's going to naturally happen. But I, I don't think that uh, you can be as good as you're going to be if you don't have everybody involved, you know, in, in what's going on. Um, we, we like to think that our kids can read the defense and can play read-based uh, um, offense. I, I love Coach Beeline. He's one of my favorites. And Great coach. A lot of his things. Um, yeah. But, you know, it takes uh, a lot of work to be able to develop kids that can truly just um, not play on footprints, but can actually uh, understand the game. And But that's always our goal. That's what we're trying to do is create players that um, understand the game, you know, understand the high percentage shot, know who's got the hot hand, you know, that we just play the percentages. Absolutely. And I, uh, I and I got to tell you, we're, um, and help me out a little bit, we're, I believe in the ball screen at the girls level for this simple reason. Girls teams, from my experience, they don't handle the ball screens very well. You can make them make tough decisions. And today we were working on, you know, with our girls, like you mentioned, how to read the defense. You know, if somebody's going under the screen, you step back, you know, and we, of course, they have our roller. And so if somebody goes over the top of the screen, kids don't, you got to really teach that how to read the defense, correct? Oh, you have to teach that. And, and it's not just to teach it one day thing. Again, you know, for kids to understand the game like that, 
you know, that's not a one day thing. That's an everyday thing, you know, and, um, and kids have to want to watch film, you know, and they have to, um, or at least our kids, you know, your kids might be more talented, but our kids have to be students of the game. Um, and then I think we have to insist every day. I would have to say, if there's one thing that I like about our coaching staff and what we do is that we preach consistency. We preach consistency all the time. You know, I wouldn't give you two cents for that kid that can go blow it out, you know, today and go all out and then tomorrow they can barely go, you know, sure. yeah. or, you know, that kid that, um, you know, plays hard the, you know, the, the first half and then, you know, they, they can't get it done uh, and close out the game. So we are all about, uh, I don't believe in more than 100%, I think kids, but I want them giving everything they've got all the time. And, you know, it's hard to be that way, Kevin, um, to be demanding of that sort of thing, you know, it, uh, you got to be on top of it all the time. I mean, you've got to be coaching and reinforcing and motivating and it, it's a nonstop thing. There's never, you know, any time that you're, you're taken off. So, you know, I, but I do believe that, you know, for us to be successful, we have to be consistent and to build in consistency. It has to be the way it's going to be every day. So. Right. And it, it um, like, Oh, it's so true. <laughs> and we as coaches, like you're saying, we have to be consistent in our, we can't, I mean, we got to, we got to stay on them, right? Uh, we do. You know, <laughs> if you tough. want them to be able to, you know, if you want them to understand ball screens, then, you know, you got to be reinforcing that every day, you know, whatever it is that you think is important. And, you know, I agree with you. I think there are a lot of things that uh, girls are uncomfortable doing. And so, you know, uh, as a coach, we're always trying to pick those things out and, you know, help to make our kids' weaknesses into their strengths and also to take advantage of, you know, the, uh, the weaknesses that we see in our opponents. Absolutely. And, and we believe in this, uh, well, maybe I believe in it, but we believe in it. The, the, the screen is so important because it's an unselfish act. We, we have a term we use, screen assist. And even today in practice during our scrimmage, it's like, hey, go get a screen assist. Because I think the game is, has to be unselfish and it makes it more fun. Oh, I love that terminology. <laughs> so, so I'm stealing that. Love okay. <laughs> All right. <you're, laughs> um, but um, we, just, we just love the screen. And what, what is something in your program that you do offensively that kind of separates you? Is it a, you more of a pass cut, uh, post up? You got great post players. What's something you guys really do well? Um, our post kids are good. Our post kids um, know what they're doing. They understand. And, you know, we work every day in an integrated setting. Um, our post kids are good because our perimeter kids understand the post game and they understand how to make an entry pass. And then our post kids are unselfish. It's not like uh, throwing the ball in and it goes into a black hole, you know, where you're never getting it back. I mean, our post kids they're going to catch the ball in check and they're going to read and, you know, they're, we're not ever going to be very good if we have to score over people. You know, we've got a pin, we've got to know exactly what we're doing, but we're going to distribute the basketball and that's how we're going to score, you know, is a, a good, I think, balance between being able to score inside and um, outside. But that all comes from just understanding, you know, understanding how to feed the post and the post players understanding how to read and how to redistribute the ball. So I would say that that is something that we hang our hat on that I think is very important. And that's hard work because I know working with my guards, 
you know, like the other day we we're working on, you know, that, that baseline dribble setting up your dribble sets up the passing angle yes. for the drop step. You know, I mean, you got to really work at that. It's not something you just throw them in there. What do you guys do? I mean, there's a lot of stuff you got to work on. So, so we do a lot of, we, we do position work, you know, like, like everybody does, but then, um, after we do that position work, we'll do guard inside play and outside play. Then we'll come back together and we will um, do what we call integrated play. And that's where we work on all of those things, where we connect those things. And, you know, where if you're going to drive baseline, our post is going to go to the front of the rim. You know, if we're going to, you know, just all of those ways that everything has to work together. And again, you, you can't take those things for granted. Um, I've also been very successful. I'll say this. I have to say this. We've been successful here because we've had great, a great coaching staff. Right. Um, I've been so fortunate to be surrounded by just incredible coaches. Um, I had a coach that was here with me for 30 years and another one that was here at the same time for 20 years. So I had right. 50 years uh, from two women that, um, you know, that, just having that, ha having the good assistant coaches that we, we have right now. So any success that we've had here, you know, it is, it's going to be a lot, you know, because of that. So I just had to make sure that, you know, and right now, uh, Katie Youngblood is one of our former players that's on staff. Uh, we've got three middle school coaches that are former players that are on staff. Um, Corey Cunningham um, and um, Tasha Doherty are on our staff here at the high school. I was going to say, though, I think that we've been very successful. We have, um, we have been able to tap in, find a male coach that was coaching on the boys' side and bring over to the light on the girls' side, and uh, they've been very good coaches. But one of the things that we always have to make them understand is that things that they take for granted that they never taught on the boys' side, the boys just did, maybe right. instantly girls don't do you know I'll never forget explaining to to Jordan um, one of our coaches that had come over from the boys side uh, he was like well how come our girls don't slip to the basket and I'm like they don't know to slip I mean they don't know those things if you don't teach right. them and that's where I think integrated play is so important because that's where you can teach those types of things you can't teach slipping in isolation but you can teach it in an integrated setting you know with the ball so Anyway, that, that would be, you know, the way that we, we do a lot of structuring of our practices. Yeah, I love how you say that integrated play. I think Mike Neighbors, the great Mike Neighbors from Arkansas, calls it uh, bigs with smalls. Yep. And he's got a lot of great drills, and I love that. Um, I, and to be honest with you, I've made the mistake many years on just going, hey, bigs over there, smalls yep. over there, which you can do, but I think we need to integrate it like you're saying more. You do. Then you got to bring it back together, you know, and, and see yeah. how this is fit together. Absolutely. Hey, Rhonda, before you go, talk about your practice system. Give us kind of like some key drills that you guys love to do. From uh, So somebody can say, hey, man, I, I love that drill from, you know, Coach Farney from Georgetown and so forth. Any particular drills or things you do in your practice that make you unique? Well, I, I don't know about this, but I, I can tell you that we – believe I believe the greatest equalizer in the game is being able to rebound uh, I'm kind of a rebounding uh, freak so we we do very very competitive um, rebound drills and and we will do one of those every day 
you know, we, we have a lot of drills that, um, when I was really young, I was kind of a drill junkie. I went, you know, to clinics all the time and I was always writing down and picking up these drills. You know, I, I, I would run things that had nothing to do with what I was really, you know, wanting the kids to be able to do in a game. So now I'm very, um, I think aware of what it is that we want to teach. Um, we kind of have a core group of <laughs> drills that, you know, when our kids do them, we're asking them to get better at those things every day. So, you know, instead of doing a lot of different things, then we, we do a lot of the, the staples. But, but I would have to tell you that the, probably the one thing that um, I feel very strongly about is being able to rebound, being able to rebound defensively, you know, and offensively. Um, and, you know, then you just hook right on to that. You know, I, I believe if you want to get out and run the basketball, that the most important thing that you can do is rebound and then understand how to outlet the ball. And so we're going to be very, very fundamental, uh, fundamentally sound about how we do that, how we create angles, you know, to be able to get all that started. So, you know, those are the things that we believe in. I, that would be something that you would see, um, you know, in one of our practices. I'll have to tell you that um, when we all became so aware of concussions, you know, uh, somebody said, are you still going to do, you know, your very competitive rebounding drills? And right. I had to think about it for a while, but I, you know, my answer was yes, because I think that to me, you know, I think the more uh, aggressive you are, probably the less likely you're going to be, you know, to, um, to get hurt. You know, I think it's when you're not going hard sometimes that you do get hurt. So, so yes, we still do those competitive drills and, you know, that's always one of the things that our, our former players, you know, talk about, you know, they'll be like, coach, are you still doing <laughs> rebound <laughs> drill? Are you still doing, you know, and they'd be like, man, we loved that, you know, and we make it competitive and, you know, we put the score up on the, the clock and all of our managers have to know how to score those things. But, you know, that, that would be one of the things I think that you would see uh, if you were to, to come to our practice. Give us, can you give us a sample of a great rebounding drill? Because that's something that we're trying to work on this year something that we can add give us give us your best rebounding drill so so we do a lot of um, you know we'll we'll have three people um a player straddling each side of the lane and one in the middle and then we'll toss the ball out from behind the goal because i think again it teaches the kids peripheral vision you know how to stand there chop their feet until they see the ball you know and then we'll make our middle player close out on the ball, the other two will close out on the close, closest player to them, you know, block out, they'll have to pull the ball down, you know, we want them to Z the ball out of the air, we want them to pull the ball down with their shoulders square to the glass, you know, we want to pivot um, and create a good passing angle, we want to use our bust out dribble, you know, busting out going up the court, not to the sideline, so those would all be like little coaching things that we would be talking about. But, you know, that's, that's one of the drills. It's very, very competitive. So the coach is throwing it out. You know, that person, you know, sometimes we'll, uh, we'll throw it out. We'll make the players then make another pass so that, you know, our kids have to shift. Um, so that shooters have to shoot with somebody closing out, contestants, sure. you know, have to learn how to, to check, hold off, then go get the basketball. You know, girls, girls are, are funny. You, you have to even teach them to go get the ball because they will, you see so girls walk out and they're like holding their block out, you know, and they never go get the ball, you know? So, so again, it's, 
it, it's, it's things like that. I don't know that there's any one great drill, but you know, we're going to be really reinforcing all of those things that we think are important about rebounding um, in, in every drill, you know, that we do. But we like to do a lot of rebounding drills. We'll toss the ball, we'll, we'll form rebound, you know, we'll, um, we'll kick it out, we'll run our break, you know, we'll initiate our break. And a lot of times we'll do a throw over the top. So we'll, we'll have our guards defended and, you know, the defender might jam them, you know, so that they know they've got to come back and our post player busts out and works on their timing. Or, you know, the guard might jam them and then we're going to release. And then our, our post player knows that she's going to bust out and throw over the top. So, you know, just things like that, that um, I think are really important. And again, if you want to be able to get out and, and push the ball and get some easy baskets, you better, you better work on all those fundamental things. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you have, uh, I kind of focus on the weak side and I, I send, I send like two, I call it two and a half players to the weak side and uh -huh. try to get, and I just feel majority of shots are missed there. Mm -hmm. What do you focus on on defense or rebounding, getting players to the right spots or just finding somebody and blocking out? Well, I think, again, it depends. You know, it depends on what you're playing. You know, if you're playing man, obviously, I think you're going to look more at blocking out people, um, players, if you're playing a zone. And we, we have light, have played a little bit more zone than we have man. And so that's a totally different thing. Right. Um, I use the analogy with our kids that uh, if you're playing tennis or, or if you're playing, you're playing softball and somebody hits a fly ball, you know, then the first thing you're going to do, you should do is you should back up and assess where the ball is and then make the play. And, you know, I think that's what you have to teach kids. That's not a natural thing. Again, girls want to just, you know, crowd, you know, and, and run hard at the goal and think that they're going to get a rebound. It's going to bounce out over their heads probably. So uh, I think you're exactly right. If you're looking at playing a lot of zone, you had better work on those spots mm -hmm. that come off on the weak side. Uh, we, we do a lot of things um, offensively rebounding. You know, we, we do a lot of things where we, um, you know, we go hard and we, we try to put a body on someone and not allow them to, you know, to get the basketball. But those are all the, the sort of things that you can set up and run when you're running those, those um, blockout drills. But um, kind of a different philosophy there on whether you're blocking out playing man or blocking out playing a zone. Absolutely. And I think what uh, you mentioned, offensive rebounding, uh, I'm studying actually what they call the tag up system now, where they actually, they send four to five rebounders in on offense where they're literally going at people, getting everybody in the zone. And then on defensive transition, you're just kind of matching up and so forth. Uh, I mean, kind of studying that because I, I really believe offensive rebounding is so important and so under taught in the game. What, what's oh, it your... is. The best offensive rebounders I've ever had, though, I think God made them. You know, I think that's exactly. He <laughs> just came right. to us being aggressive and wanting the basketball. Uh, I can name some that were really, you know, really great. But, but yes, I mean, I do think we've got a tall girl right now that um, we, we've got a 6'3 player that um, did not go through our middle school program. And, you know, she, we have to teach her all the time about moving. But then that, that's one of the hard things, you know, um, one of the more difficult things I think about, about basketball is just teaching all players to move without the ball, you know, and uh, to move with purpose and understand, you know, what it is they're trying to do. But, um, but yeah, I think probably the best offensive rebounders I've ever had. Uh, I'd love to say I have a system for developing them, but thank God just probably made them. 
Yeah, it's just a one-two, right, Ron? It's just a one-two rebounding. Absolutely. We forget that. We can teach it to a certain degree, but yep. a lot of it's just inherent. I hate to say it. Yep. Um, hey, before you go, give us uh, – we have a lot of listeners from around the country that listen to the podcast. I'm so fortunate. Uh, what are some resources that you recommend to become a better coach? What are some things you're doing and you've seen over the years that would help a coach just learn the game better? Oh, that's, that is a really, really good question. Um, we have a great, um, we have the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches in our state sure. that is, um, it's made up of um, coaches of men and women's basketball. Uh, great coaches there that we have a lot of things that we've done. Um, and we've kind of made a, a library where uh, young coaches have a lot of access to whether they want to listen to somebody talk about their program or they want to actually watch, you know, game footage or watch practice footage. Um, I think that's important. You know, some of the things that I, I have learned so much from other coaches. Um, I love to go watch other coaches um, practices and every year we will at some point go watch, you know, someone I'll call and ask, can we come in, pick your brain? Um, I've done that with college coaches as well. Uh, Sherry Cole at um, Oklahoma has been wonderful to um, um, share things. Um, same thing, we're, we're right down the road from the University of, of Texas. And right. I think that I've learned a tremendous amount. But, but I would have to say that um, I, I think just learning from other high school coaches um, I, I'm sure every state, in, in fact, I, I've been so fortunate to be able to speak in a lot of, at a lot of clinics in a lot of states. And I know that there are good clinics that go on. And I think that is so important to, um, you know, to players, uh, excuse me, to coaches development. And, and I mean that at every level, not just young coaches, but all of us, uh, we need to continue to learn, you know, and continue to evaluate what we're doing um, and make sure that it, it's, going to be the the best for our players yeah and i, I that's a great point i think it's, it's hard for us older coaches to reassess all the time because we think yep. we're doing it right but a lot of times yep. we're not <laughs> i mean well, you know to be honest yes and i read something today um about uh continuation bias which i had never even mm. thought about because i've always been one that I, i'm kind of old school but you know, I'll, I'll tell our, our coaches real often, I'll say, look, we're not throwing out the baby with the, the bathwater. You know, what we're not doing right about this is not, you know, it, it has to do with the fundamentals. It has to do with the execution. It doesn't have anything to do with the scheme. But I, I read this today and it made me really second guess and really made me think, you know, just doing something and continuing to push through and do it might not always be the right way. So, so I think we always have to be learning and evaluating, you know, what we're doing because we, we obviously, you know, Kevin, you want to be the very best for your kids that you can be. And we do too. So um, I think that takes always evaluating, knowing when to hold on to something and knowing when to let go. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I hate, I hate to let go right now, but I know you have <laughs> other things you have to do. But I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast and sharing with me and the listeners. So thank you so much again. And I, I wish you the best. Hopefully we all get to play a little bit this year. Oh, I hope so too. I wish you the best. I wish everybody out there that, that is listening. Um, I hope that you have a great season and 
I'm going to become, I, I've never, I've never watched a lot of your podcasts, but I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to from now on. That is for sure. Thank you very much for having me. Coach, thank you so much. And how can people get a hold of you? Because I know you do a lot of clinics. You got a lot of, you got a great basketball mind. And how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can get a hold of me, Farney, F-A-R-N-E-Y-R, Farney R, at GeorgetownISD.org. Okay, great. Email me, and I would be so happy to send you, you know, anything. I have to say one one thing that uh, sure. I have to say that something that the majority of people probably um, will ask us about, and I didn't really talk about this, uh, and I'll make it really fast, but um, we run something called Twilight, which is an extended 2-3 zone, and it's one of those things that um, can't run it all the time, but it's just a great little thing to have in your pocket. Uh, we're not always, like I said, the most athletic, so sometimes when teams pull the ball out on us and we have to match up with somebody that we're not as athletic as, then that's a real issue. So this is kind of one of those things, you trap everything, run through the passing lanes. It, again, is a great equalizer. So that's one of the things I probably get asked about that a ton. Um, so, but I'd be glad to share anything that I have. And if you'll just email me, um, I'm, I'm good at getting back to people, so. Coach, it's funny you mentioned that. That's our defense, actually. We run, um, my, a friend of mine, Jerry Finkbeiner. Who, that's where I got it, and from Southern Nazarene. Yeah, Jerry, matter yeah. of fact, he's going to be doing a clinic for me on court. He's living in Utah. He's enjoying retirement right now. I'm going to tell him about that, and I would love to see some video of your defense. And also, I'll tell Jerry, too. Mike DeVelbus is actually a good friend of mine. All guys of the buzz, the, the twilight, yep. that, that, yep. that small world. Hey, it is a small world. That's great. Hey, I would love to see how you guys play your defense. You can send that to me. I would. I'd love that. All right. Coach, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Hi, this is Kurt Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado. Keep up the great work.